Hello, NAFI members and flight instructors. This is John Niehaus, Program Director for the National Association of Flight Instructors. And as always, I am pleased to welcome you back to another episode of the More Right Better podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. And uh, today, our podcast is actually sponsored by a uh, great supporter of ours, ForeFlight. Now, I understand that ForeFlight is owned by uh, Boeing and Jepson, but this is ForeFlight specific, and certainly we thank both Boeing and Jepson for being sponsors as well. Um, but uh, what I really want to talk about is the fact that ForeFlight is generous enough to give our members a 33% discount off of the Pro and the Standard subscriptions. Um, so the larger the subscription, the larger the discount, of course. Um, but uh, basically, if you think about it, if you're a NAFI member and you use ForeFlight, um, it darn near pays for your membership. So if you're not using the discount, you really need to log into the members-only page and it's, try it out. If you're not a member and you're on the fence, just remember you'll get your membership at a fraction of the cost if you use that discount for something that you're using anyways. Um, it's a great instructor tool. It's really, really useful from a uh, chart standpoint. Obviously, I think we all know what ForeFlight is, but uh, it's super awesome. So make sure you're using that discount. And we thank ForeFlight, Jepson, and, and Boeing for uh, their generous support of NAFI. We also like to thank you. Um, this podcast has uh, been going on for, uh, this is, I think, 16 episodes now. And uh, we continue to grow and, and continue to get more listeners. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, and uh, we have some pretty exciting things to come. So um, thank you so much for your support. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Um, all of that helps in uh, in getting this podcast a little bit more exposure and, and getting us uh, more viewership um, because we really try to make things worthwhile for our members. And thank you to our members for being members. Um, but anyways, on to the show. Uh, today's guest is Mike Jesh, and this is a conversation I had with Mike um, about flight instruction. It's part of our 10 question series, and uh, he has over 30 years of airline flying. Um, he's also been a flight instructor um, for a very, very long time, 40 years experience total um, in his flying career. And, uh, you know, he has a lot of experience teaching students. Um, it's what he uh, really has a passion for. And I think you'll see that in the interview. Um, but the major topics really come out to how do you network? How do you use your, um, your name to get yourself out there? And, and how is that a brand? And, and how does that get you more business, more students, um, and more customers. So I hope you'll enjoy a super awesome conversation I had with Mike Jesh. And uh, if you um, have any questions or if you ever want to uh, introduce an idea for the podcast, please email me at jneehouse, that's J-N is in November, I-E-H-A-U-S at naffynet.org. Thank you. Enjoy. Today, my guest is Mike Jesh. He's uh, been a flight instructor since 1983. Uh, it equates to about 37 years of experience. He's a CFI, I, MEI, ATP. He's also a major airline pilot flying for the 787 as a captain. Um, he's a volunteer for Agent Flight and Young Eagles, former master instructor from 2014, 
He is a uh, former district fast team rep of the year for 2016 and 2018. He's an aviation speaker and an author and the vice president of his local pilot association. Mike, welcome. Good morning, John. It's good to see you. Same to you, sir. And uh, with traditional fashion, we'll just jump straight into it. Um, question one, was flight instructing part of your original career plan or was it something you never anticipated doing? For me, it was sort of a stepping stone into bigger and better things. When I became a pilot, sort of the natural progression of things was to get your pilot's license, your instrument rating, then your commercial, then your CFI, and, and then on to the airline. And it turned out it worked exactly that way for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it turned out when I started instructing, I found I really enjoyed it. I, I got a lot out of it. I put a lot into it. And it turned out to be more of a calling. Uh, and, and then I found out I was missing it after I hadn't been doing it for a while and, and got back into it about uh, 15 years ago. Hmm. Now, how long of a gap was it between um, when you stopped instructing to fly for the airlines and picked it back up again? It was probably 15 years ago, or a 15-year break. Uh, when I first got in, uh, we just started the, what we call the B scale, the, the second pay scale for new hire pilots in the airlines. I was too broke to do any GA flying. I just, there was no money for it. Right. Uh, so I kind of naturally got out of it for a while. I couldn't afford to do it. And then I, I thought, well, why am I keeping this, this flight instructor ticket current? I wasn't using it and I let it lapse. And uh, so I had to get it reinstated again. Um, and as I bought a new airplane and then I, I started looking around thinking, what am I going to do with this, this airplane? And one of the things I thought that was pretty easy to do at the time was to get reinstated and start instructing again. And that's what I did. And I found it was every bit as satisfying when I picked it back up again as it was when I was originally doing it. Yeah, you got the itch and you just couldn't let it go. <laughs> yeah, totally exactly. So reflecting on your instructor skill with your first student, uh, how do you think you did? I think I did okay. Um, my first student was a gentleman who had grown up in Germany during World War II. Uh, and he, uh, he showed me the scars on his arm. He told me a story about one time he and his best friend were playing around a train yard and they ended up getting strafed by a bunch of P-51 Mustangs. Oh. And he, he said that he'd watch these Mustangs fly by and he'd say, one day I'm going to learn to fly. And he was my first student. And so he told me that story and I realized that one of the aspects of being an instructor was the ability to help somebody realize a lifelong dream. And uh, it, it was an interesting student. It was a good challenge for me. Uh, language wasn't much of an issue. His accent was interesting. Um, he had some testitis where he would get very concerned. It took him three times to pass the written exam, for instance. But on the check ride, he passed on the first go. And... Uh, it was just interesting to, I had to find the way to connect with him to get the lesson across, the, the point across that we were trying to do that day. So it really challenged me to be able to find a way to teach whatever the issue was, whatever the subject was, in such a way that he could pick it up. And uh, he did. And so it worked. And uh, I he did go on to fly a little bit. He did actually get to fly a P-51 Mustang. At the time, there was one available over at Chino Airport uh, that you could rent and go on a flight. And he did do that. So uh, for me, it was very satisfying that he was able to, to complete this lifelong goal. And I got a big, big kick out of that. It was very rewarding for me. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine. Um, so most of us have had an instructor mentor who kind of helped us along the way. 
who was yours and what was the most meaningful thing they taught you? And I had two really good flight instructors very early on. Uh, Luann Leeson was for, for my private and my instrument. And then Ralph Eaton did my commercial and my original CFI ticket. And Ralph in particular was a, um, a Corsair pilot off of carriers in World War II. A very nice man, uh, could fly anything. And um, I, I remember one of the things he told me at one point, probably when I was working on my flight instructor certificate and uh, he says, you know, Mike, I never worry about anything because as soon as you worry about one thing, something else 10 times worse is going to happen that you should have been worrying about and all your worrying will be wasted. So what, what I took away from that basically is you do the best you can planning with whatever the contingent circumstances are that might arise. Uh, and now you've, you can put that behind you. You've made your decisions. You've selected your options. You know the point at which you need to make the decision between the two and you move on. And don't dwell on something that, that might happen um, because you didn't take care of it. And you can address that at the moment if it, if it does arise. And that, that seems to work pretty well. Mm -hmm. Now you said you had two. Who was the other one? Uh, Luann Leeson. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, she, uh, was, uh, she instructed me for my private certificate and in instrument rating. Um, I met her actually um, when I was in high school. I decided I was going to become a pilot. Didn't know how to do it. Um, so I, I did find there was a class over at my local community college. And she was the instructor for that ground school class for the, the private pilot written exam. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as we're wrapping up towards the end of the class, uh, I asked her if she would be my flight instructor too. She was the only person I knew. I didn't know anybody who was an instructor in the area at the time. Uh, and she had a tremendous amount of patience. Of course, I, I took that class when I was a junior in high school. Mm -hmm. So I had to get permission from the guidance counselor at high school to go take a college class. Um, so I was the youngest person in the class and I was the youngest student she'd ever taken. I was 16 years old when I started flying. <laughs> and uh, I remember one time she says, you know, Mike, if the difference between the men and the boys is the price of their toys, you must have one foot in the graveyard already. Cause <laughs> it's 16 here. You are flying these little airplanes around. And uh, so she had a, did have a tremendous amount of patience to take me through that whole private uh, pilot curriculum at the time. And, and uh, it's lasted me a whole lifetime. So what's the most uh, valuable non-aviation skill you learned as a flight instructor? I think it's probably the ability to listen to a student and try to connect with that student, find out what they really want to know, find out what's troubling them or, or what they don't understand, what they want to accomplish. And sometimes they're not always straight with that. I, I had a gentleman come to me a few years ago. He put a new Avidyne IFD navigator in his airplane uh, where it had previously had a, a Garmin GNS navigator in it. And he, he came to me and said, I want to learn how to work this Avidyne. So we worked on that and I, I flew it for quite a while with him. And then I realized what he really needed was an instrument proficiency check. He hadn't been instrument current for almost 30 years. Hmm. So in some respects, it was, it was going back to the, the back to the beginning uh, as far as instrument rating goes, everything had changed with GPS navigation. The regulations were largely the same, but he, I had to figure out that's what he wanted. And uh, so sometimes when a student asks something, I find it's, there's really something else that they are trying to get to and they don't know how to phrase it or, or are afraid to phrase it sometimes in the best way. You have to ferret that out. You have to work and, and really, uh, it, it, the quicker you can get to what it is they want to learn, the more effective you can be, I think, in the instruction. 
-hmm. it did finally work out and, and uh, we had a good time flying. Sure. You know, and, and the same technique is useful when you're actually trying to then transmit that knowledge because sometimes the students will say, oh yeah, I totally get it. And you kind of get this look on their face where you're like, I'm not sure you're being completely honest. It's okay to ask that question. So yeah, I, my daughter one time was showing me some math homework one day and she got the right answer at the end, but she didn't show her work. And I kind of had a suspicion that maybe she had stumbled on the right answer that happened to work. So I, I kind of poked around that a little bit. Sure enough, it turned out that she had used a completely different algorithm that just happened to get the right answer. So I figured out that she didn't, she wasn't really learning what she needed to learn the way they wanted to teach it at that moment. So uh, this was one of the ways that I was able to apply this, this skill was I figured out she didn't have it the right way, figure out what the right way is and help her through that. Yeah, I mean, a, a good instructor digs a little bit deeper. And, and yeah, I, that's a, a great thing. So what do you enjoy most about flight instruction? For me, the best part about instructing is when the light bulb finally goes on and, and the, the, the whatever it is they want to learn clicks. And, and uh, I got this again just the other day. I, I had just done some wings activities with a friend of mine who became a flight instructor back when it was a rating, uh, probably not long after I was out of diapers. <laughs> is an, an older gentleman and he comes to me for his proficiency work and, and he has a Garmin 430 in his, his uh, home-built airplane. And boy, could he fly that airplane. He was so good, so sharp, everything, way beyond the standards. And so we had a great time flying, but that 430 was still kind of bugging him. So uh, it, just a couple days ago, we got on a Zoom call like this and I put the 430 simulator up on the screen and we spent two hours going through some tricks with that Garmin Navigator. He had no idea it was two hours. I, shortly after we were done, I got a text from him saying, Mike, I had no idea we were at that for two hours, but I learned so much. So, uh, you know, anybody can teach anybody anything at some point. And I really, when that light bulb got on, especially for somebody like that, so much more experience as an instructor than me, and I was able to help him out through that. That's really satisfying. I really get a lot out of that. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because uh, as an instructor, you do come across people who have way more time than you or way more experience than you. Um, and sometimes it, it causes a intimidation factor for the, the newer pilot. I don't want to say younger, younger instructor, but newer pilot. Um, and it's important to recognize that you do have things that you can teach, even the most experienced pilot, um, depending on the subject. Yeah, that, that's very true. Uh, I remember probably a little over a decade ago, I, I had a client come to me and he needed a flight review. Uh, he owned a single engine commander, a gorgeous airplane, and I had never flown one before. So it was kind of funny. We, we get in the airplane, get all loaded up, and I'd known him personally, actually through Angel Flight. And uh, he starts the engine up and then he's just sitting there and nothing's happening. So I'm pretty patient. Okay, maybe he's just got to get his wits about him. And finally, he took a deep breath and he said... Mike, I got to tell you, I'm really nervous. So, well, what are you nervous about? He says, well, I'm just a, you know, 1500 hour private pilot in this little airplane. He says, you're a 15,000 hour airline captain over there. You said, what, how can I possibly measure up to your standard? And I said, well, one thing that's not my standard, it, it's the standard in the, the PTS at the time. I said, for another thing, I've never been in a single engine commander. Hmm. So you know way more about this airplane than I do. <laughs> so, you know, kind of, 
lower the temperature a little bit and set them at ease a little bit. And we had a great flight and, and we continued to fly for many years. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what is your most interesting, scary, or fun story you've had with a student? <laughs> now, I remember it, I, I was fortunate in that I, I didn't, well, I guess you could call it fortunate. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of full-time instructing. I was a full-time instructor for only about eight or nine months before I, I got my first airline job. But I remember one student, I, I, I was trying to prep him for solo, and he was doing a pretty good job flying the airplane, but the traffic pattern was causing him some trouble, and in particular, go-arounds. And he would struggle with the go-arounds, the right order of business. And so we're working the pattern, and, and I call it, oh, actually, the air traffic controller called a go-around for, for traffic in front of him on the runway. Hmm. So we're getting low on final. I was going to call a go-around anyway, but the, the tower did instead, which is even better, I think. So he does this go around, he nails it. He's finally got it perfect. I think, oh, this is great. He's climbing out, makes his crosswind turn, turns on downwind again, gets up to pattern altitude and levels off and the control tower says, oh, Cessna so-and-so, he says, sorry about that go around, we'll get you on the ground this time. The only thing the student heard was go around. So we're on the downwind leg and he does a go around. <laughs> it was just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so little things like that come up and, and just, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I always try to see the humor when there's something, something fun and interesting that a student does and <laughs> never a dull moment. No, no, that's certainly the case. So in your mind, uh, what quality or skill makes for an exceptional flight instructor? I think um, the ability is we kind of touched on it a little bit, the ability to listen and drill down and find out what that student really wants to learn. And then um, even better are the times that I've been able to find something else that the student knows and I can build on that. Um, wherever they came from in the past. And this is, has worked for myself. Um, I just did the type rating in the 787 about a little over six months ago now. And I did a presentation for our pilot group on this. And one of the things, when, whenever you come into any kind of a training program, you, you bring a certain amount of knowledge and experience with you. And we're just going to build on that. So have a little confidence that your instructor is going to be able to dial in on on that foundation that you've already got and build on that. You're not coming in with nothing. So for me, being able to find out what that previous foundation is that we can build on, um, that, that's really valuable. Uh, it helps give the students some confidence or the, the learners some confidence that uh, we're not, it's not a bridge too far. We're gonna get there in pieces. We can build on what we've already got and get you to where you wanna go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I have always been a, a nervous um, a flight check taker, um, you know, from my private pilot days up to my type ratings. And, um, you know, to, to piggyback on your point, every time I go in for my six month recurrent or whatever, you know, even though I have no worries that I'm not going to do well, you know, I still go in and go, do you think I'm ready? I think I'm ready. And, you know, the, the instructors at flight safety are great. And they always say, I wouldn't send you on your check if I didn't think you were ready. And, and so to sort of, you know, hammer home that, that point that the, the trust that a student puts in an instructor to make sure that they, you know, regardless of what they may think in their own head, the instructor is going to make sure that they're, they're ready to be achieving whatever it is that they're going for. 
Yeah, that, that's right. I think that's that's exactly right. And I try to bring the same mentality into it. When I did this 787 ride recently, uh, you know, yeah, I, I've flown a few other transport category aircraft. I kind of basically know how they work. And then I met the 787 and it's completely different from every other airplane I've flown. Um, you know, different electrical system, hydraulics, pressurization. Uh, it's not bleed air anymore. It's it's electrically with, with cabin compressors all this stuff, but I've got enough of a foundation with other things. Now I can look at this new thing and say, okay, well, it's like the triple seven in this way. It's like the 727 in that way um, and bring that with and move it along. And uh, so when I finally got to the check ride itself and I tend to bring a much more relaxed sort of, of attitude into a check ride. And um, the important thing to remember as an applicant for a check ride is the examiner is not so much checking the applicant, the examiner is checking the instructor. Mm -hmm. So as the applicant, you got to know that your instructor is not going to sign you off before you're ready because it's on me when I sign you off. Uh, it's a, a ding on my record that I show up as, as a fail. And um, yeah, you're, you're going to come out of it with a pink slip if, you, if you're not successful. But that instructor really wants you to be successful. I certainly do when I'm an instructor. And, and I, I don't do a lot of primary instruction lately. I, I did recently just sign off a, a friend of mine for a commercial check ride and, and instrument a couple of years before that. And uh, yeah, that was the question afterward. Did you really think I was going to pass? The answer is yes. Oh, I've, I've got yeah. a high degree of confidence that you're going to pass. I, I've seen you do this. We've done everything that's in the ACS and more. I, I like to go beyond just the, what's in the ACS if I can. And uh, it all pays out that, you know, it's the pressures on the instructor. I'm the one back at home pacing around. Like, oh man, I, I hope I taught her how to do those lazy eights the right way. And right. <laughs> so flying the airplane is the easy part. It's all the stuff before that, that that's a lot harder. It's true. And the paperwork's even harder than that. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yep. what aspect of flight instruction best prepared you for what you do now? Um, what, for what I do now, one of the things I have to do is when I sit down with a crew, I've got to assess, and I'm flying this, this airplane on, on long haul trips with three pilots, three other pilots and, and myself. And one of the things I got to do is, is right now, uh, for the last few months and, and for the next few months, I'm going to be the new guy in there. I've got the least experience, amount of experience. So <clears throat> being able to keep myself in that student mindset in this new airplane, even though I'm the captain, even though I'm, I'm the guy who's been there the longest on the crew, um, I am a student in this airplane. And it's like we, we've all heard the, the license is a license to learn. And well, that's certainly the category where I'm in on, on my new airplane at the moment. So I'm kind of perpetually in a student mode. So being able to, to leave myself in that student mode and leave myself open that, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got the background. I know how to do this stuff. I just need to establish a habit pattern and, uh, and bring that through uh, all the complications of flying through international airspace. Um, that perpetual student mode, I'm, I'm sensitive to what that feels like and looks like and how it should be addressed. So uh, I, I have the confidence I bring in with me that I've done this before. I've been taught how to do it. I know how to do it, but now it's for real. And uh, I think bringing that mentality into everything I do just makes it a little bit easier to deal with the weird stuff that comes up. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it, it, 
not to reshape your own words, but you know, from the instructor side, if you constantly have that frame of mind of this is what the student's going through, then you're going to be more sympathetic to you know the trials and tribulations of learning plateaus and and the frustrations that come when you know a maneuver doesn't go as well as they had hoped, even though they've been practicing. And so transitioning that into you know the the lifestyle and and the training of an airline uh, captain, it, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, you know, just always being ready to to learn that next thing and and um, being willing to be taught by someone of varying various skill levels, whether they're higher or lower than you, Sim similar to what we previously said. Right, and and even the gentleman I talked about last week, who we we did the Zoom call to learn the the GPS. Okay, he's a long time instructor, many more years of he's been an instructor longer than I've been a, a pilot by far. Um, and he comes to me, so I'm the new guy, and I'm gonna try to help an old guy with whatever the thing is, and uh, keeping in mind that yeah, I can do that, and he can do that, and he's he's leaves himself open to me, um, and, and I get that a lot from from some pilots that you know I'm an airline pilot. How how can I possibly measure up to you? And, and just keep in mind, you know, it's not my standards. Mm -hmm. I, I teach to uh, whatever the book says. Here, here's the minimum standards there, and I teach. Uh, you know, a, a even tighter than that, uh, so that when you get into the pressure of a check ride, it's it's easier. Um, but yeah, just leave yourself open. Keep in mind what it was like to be a student, mm -hmm. and, and when you're the new guy, and it, it helps get through that phase where you're you're new on the airplane or new on the route or new on the whatever it is, the, the navigator. Leave the ego on the ground. Yeah, exactly. So to piggyback on that question. Um, how did you utilize or sort of leverage your experience as a CFI to then get into, um, you know, what you do now? Was there a, a specific thing that uh, sort of pushed you a little bit faster in that direction? Well, one of the things that I found out was um, it, it, take every opportunity you can to meet people, to, to do new things, to grab an opportunity that comes your way. You're never going to know when an opportunity shows up. and for me, this, this is what happened that got me into my multi-engine rating originally. I was instructing at the flight school, and I'd had my instructor ticket for about six months. And the, the company that I worked for at the time, I was a, a, a software developer. And uh, there was a big trade show going on, and they forgot to book airplane tickets to this trade show until the week before. They called me up. They knew I was a pilot. They said, what can you do? And I said, well, uh, we got a 210 on our rental line. I could take that. It was gone on a three-week trip. So the only airplane that even had a chance of working was a Cessna 310. I went to my boss and said, what should we do? Um, so we went over and took the chairman of the board of the company for a ride in the 310. We get on the ground. He says, I got to buy this airplane. Uh, I got to have this airplane. What's the big deal? He says, you don't get it. I grew up watching Sky King. I got to have this airplane. It was a 310. <laughs> so that opportunity, I saw a chance there and leveraged that into my multi-engine rating. Uh, two weeks later, I had 45 hours and a multi-engine rating in my pocket. Wow. Six months later, I had 400 hours of 310 time and, and 340 time later on. So now I'm competitive. Now I've, I've got all the experience and, and ratings that I need to have, a commercial multi-engine instrument. Um, and it was an opportunity that popped up. Yes. And in that case, it was through my employment, but other things come up. Uh, somebody has an airplane that he used for business 
and he wasn't able to make a trip one day. He knew I was there. He knew I was current in a, in a 210 and I could fly it. Uh, so here, fly my, fly my dad up to Northern California in this 210. And all these opportunities leverage themselves into more experience in different ways. And uh, so not just airplanes, but new ratings, new equipment, new whatever it is, an opportunity to learn something new is always going to be beneficial. And perhaps even more beneficial is, uh, is the people that you meet along the way. You never know when somebody somewhere is going to, to have an opportunity for you to exercise your skill, and that's going to fill out your logbook a little bit. And uh, it's going to help somebody out. It's going to help you out. And uh, so leave yourself open when these things come along and be, be ready, willing, and able to grab that opportunity when it comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, and uh, to take that one step further, if you had um, a single thing to say to a new instructor um, for success in the profession, what would it be? I'd say always keep learning new things. And whether that's attending a seminar somewhere, when we can get back into in-person seminars or attending webinars online, um, leave yourself open to learning new stuff. Um, always keep a, a little list of things that you wanna do. Uh, currently on my list are that I'd like to finish my glider uh, class rating. Um, I, I flew about four or five hours of glider 30 years ago. I never finished that rating, and I remember it being some really fun flying. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's on my short list of things I want to do. I'd love to get my float rating, single and multi-engine C. Um, and, and the people I know who have done it said, oh, Mike, you've got to do that. It's the most fun you'll ever have. So always be ready to fill out your experience level one way or another. Some new ticket, a uh, learn a new navigator. Uh, I recently took a class on, on uh, Avidine navigators. You know, I'm pretty fluent with Garmin's, the Avidine's not so much. I, I struggle with them a little. It's a whole different way of thinking, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to leave myself open to, to further developing my skill with that stuff. And any chance you've got to learn something new is almost always going to make you a better pilot. Even something as simple as learning how to fly formation. Yeah, I've been uh, doing some formation in my Cessna and, and some Moonies, and it's, it'll make you a better pilot. And it's hard to say how or when or why, but rest assured, anytime you get a new skill, it'll make you a better pilot. Well, and, and like you said previously, I mean, that new skill may be the reason why you get the next thing, because somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need some training in an Abidine, and you just happen to be the only one that raises their hand and says, I know what this yep. is. Next thing you know, that's a new job. It's a new friend. It's, it could be any different thing. Yeah, and, and word gets out that you're the guy for that kind of navigator. And uh, it, people, when they install some new piece of equipment or buy a new airplane, they're always looking around to the pilots who already have that gear and ask them the questions. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Mooney instruction lately, uh, new type checkouts in, in Moonies that are new to pilots. Uh, so my name is out there a little bit. I'm getting a lot of phone calls for that and getting to do a lot of flying and meet a lot of really great people and, and have a lot of fun. And it's a fantastic airplane. And, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Moonies. When I was 15 years old, the very first airplane I ever got my hands on the yoke of was a, a brand new Mooney 201. And uh, that was when I thought, man, this is really cool. I'm, I'm going to be a pilot in five years. And, and it was a little over one year later, I got it. Um, but so my, the, the word is out there now that I do some Mooney instruction and not as much as I'd like, but um, yeah, these opportunities continue to spread. And uh, so keep that opportunity open and available and, and uh, be open to it. And they keep coming.
Wonderful advice. And Mike, we made it. Uh, we gone <laughs> through our 10 questions. Um, I very much appreciate you taking the time today to, uh, to have this discussion. And uh, just out of curiosity, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to say to uh, anybody watching? Yeah, I do. One more thing I'll throw in there is, is uh, whatever airports you fly out of, whatever airport your airplane is hangered at, or if you rent or whatever, find your local pilot association and, and go join it. Uh, in my case, uh, there wasn't one at my airport when I bought my airplane. It had become somewhat dormant. So I, I joined a, a crowd that basically resuscitated this group. And we've been going strong now for about seven or eight years and having a lot of fun with it. Uh, on a monthly basis, we get together for some so social time and, uh, well, back when we could, uh, we grill up some uh, bratwurst and hot dogs for dinner and get together for a safety seminar. And we're doing it virtually now. Um, but this is an opportunity to get to know the other pilots at your airport, continue your education as a, a pilot, um, and keep that circle of, of friends strong and vibrant at your airport. You get dialed in with the issues going on at your airport. You just never know when your airport's going to need you. Uh, some airports are under more stress than others, and we're very lucky right now at, at my home airport. We've got a very vibrant community. It's very dialed in with the management of the airport, the city that owns it, uh, with, with the uh, ATC facility that operates the approaches into it, uh, everything. And it's a great opportunity to get to know the people around you and learn more stuff. It makes you a better pilot. And you know, there, I'm also a member of the California Pilots Association, and, and uh, I, I feel very strongly in the program that they talk about is the three-tiered level of airport defense. The first tier is your home airport. The second tier is the airports in your region or your state. And then the third tier is the national. And uh, for that, we have groups like AOPA and EAA, NAFI, um, that will support you and your habit, if you will, your, your uh, avocation, your hobby, um, whatever it is for you, these levels of support are critical and they need you to be a part of it, to, to make it work and to make sure your airport is there for you when you want to go flying.